Welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And then there were four, as the NFL now has its final four for championship weekend. We also want to get into that exciting duo that's going on in Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Nets. Is there any room in that equation for Kyrie Irving as he tries to make his way back? But first, let's talk about Divisional Weekend in the NFL and how we arrived at our Final Four. We're going to start in the NFC with the Green Bay Packers hosting the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams coming into this game banged up. They're all-world defensive tackle. Aaron Donald coming in with cartilage and rib damage. Cooper Cup, Jared Goff's favorite receiver, out with a knee injury. Jared Goff himself banged up. From that thumb surgery. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Too much offense. And they didn't even put up a whole lot of points. The way his numbers look, you would have thought that they would have had close to 40 points. The most points <clears throat> that they needed were done early on in this game. And this game we thought looked like it was going to be a blowout for for a while. But somehow Green Bay let the Rams get their confidence up, get back in it, draw within eight points. But then that guy, that man who's been doing it all season long, the NFL MVP, we believe, Aaron Rodgers, struck gold at the end in the fourth quarter after his defense got the Rams off the field. And he put the game away. I think if it wasn't for the fact that Aaron Rodgers has had such a phenomenal season, his wide receiver, Devontae Adams, probably would be in the MVP race because he's had just as a phenomenal season as his quarterback. We talk about DeAndre Hopkins. To me, right now, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league. Devontae Adams is putting his stamp on as maybe the second best receiver in the league after this season right here. Aaron Jones in that running game, they now have a three-headed monster with Aaron Jones, Mr. Williams, and then the rookie from Boston College, Mr. Dillard. Green Bay is going to be a problem in the NFC Championship. And they know who they will be hosting. They will be hosting TB12. That's right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to overcome their nemesis the New Orleans Saints New Orleans has had Tampa's number especially this season as they swept them in the regular season in a dominating fashion but we told you in a previous podcast it's hard to beat a team three times and it showed it also showed the age of Drew Brees and the significance between Drew Brees and and Tom Brady 
Tom Brady, our Sprite 43, if you can call 43 playing quarterback in the NFL, Sprite and Young, and Drew Brees, who just turned 42 about a week ago, he looked every bit of 42. He looked every bit of a player who has been in the league as long as he's played, and it looks like it's time for him to go to the booth and start calling games and not playing in them. This should be his last game. Three big turnovers in this game was the difference. Tampa did not turn the ball over. Tampa had a balanced attack coming into this game. That's the one thing that they did not have early on in the season was a balanced attack when they played New Orleans, when they were not able to run the ball, and they were able to do that tonight with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, the two-hitted monster. Tom Brady didn't turn the ball over. Mike Evans got a touchdown against his nemesis, Marshawn Lattimore. And Tampa Bay will now advance to Lambeau Field to face Aaron Rodgers. It will be the first meeting of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in a championship capacity. And also, this will be Tom Brady's first trip to vintage Lambeau Field. This will be one for the ages. Even if it's not a close game, just for the mere fact that you have two of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game going head-to-head for an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. Speaking of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55 is being held in Tampa, Florida. Imagine Tom Brady being able to not only win in Lambeau Field, but be able to be the host city for the Super Bowl. And it would be the first time that a team would be participating in a Super Bowl that they are hosting. So there's a lot of history on the line come championship Sunday between these two NFC opponents. New Orleans defense tried to keep them in the game. Their offense just could not sustain drives, especially in the second half. And Drew Brees, like I said previously, it just looks like it's time for Drew to to give it up. He can't go downfield. The one long pass they had in the game for 52 yards was thrown by a backup, Jameis Winston. I think that they missed Taysom Hill in this game because of the fact of his ability to be able to be put in different scenarios. Not only could he play quarterback, he could play wide receiver or, let's just say, tight end. But they needed him to be, would have needed him to play quarterback in this game because you know if they would have put Jameis Winston in, you know that they're definitely going to be going downfield. At least with Taysom Hill, you had the option of him being able to run the ball as well as throw. And it was quite apparent in this game that Drew Brees was not going to be able to throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field and be effective. And that hurt their offense. Not being able to get Michael Thomas involved who we found out is still has a lingering uh, injury that he will be having off off season surgery on, which is that that foot was a major factor as well. But Tom Brady and Tampa had a game plan. They stuck with it. And that's why we're going to see them in an NFC championship. 
We're going to switch gears real quick and go over to the AFC where we had the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Buffalo Bills. Baltimore coming into this game, you knew the offense centered around last year's league MVP, Lamar Jackson. Without a passing game, Buffalo was not going to allow Lamar Jackson, excuse me, to beat them with his legs. And they made that apparent early on. They said, hey, we're going to allow you to throw the ball, but we're not going to let you get outside of containment. We're not going to let you do what you've been doing all season long and what your strength is, which is escaping the pocket and making plays with your legs. Without a a serious threat on the outside that they had to worry about and with the corners that they have, Buffalo was not afraid. Hollywood Brown made some catches in this game. He clearly is a number two. He They have to get a number one wide receiver. And we're going to talk about this a little later. But everybody wants to point the finger at Lamar as if he's regressed. It's not that he's regressed. The offense has no juice has no punch and that's why it looks like it's on Lamar but the concepts that they have are not working you've heard many sports analysts former players talk about that it's basic concepts that they're running there's no there's no mystery to their offense there's nothing that makes you sit here and say or guess about what they're doing it's basic it's like Fundamental math. One plus one equals two. They give you nothing that you have to scratch your head about or think about because it's all right there in front of you. And if they want Lamar to continue to progress as a quarterback, they're going to have to give him help. If that means that they're going to have to take and get a new offensive coordinator, then that's what they're going to have to do. But for all those people who keep saying that he doesn't need a number one wide receiver, you're not watching this Baltimore offense. They need a threat on the outside in order for Lamar and this team to move to the next level. They've got to get him another receiving threat on the outside. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. Their game plan to stop Lamar was the biggest thing that they could do. Their offense only technically put up 10 points. They got a 101-yard return from their defense, and Lamar got knocked out of this game. Buffalo's going to have to put up more points in the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs if they want to advance to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen was off. He missed some throws in this game where people were open. That happens. The wind conditions in Buffalo where the weather played a little bit of a trick. You, you saw Justin Tucker, one of the best kickers in NFL history, miss two kicks. Like I said, you saw a couple of balls get away from Josh Allen that better weather conditions. I'm sure that those would have gone for completions. One of those would have been for a touchdown. But this is why they play the game. And you have to be able to adapt. And Buffalo's defense is, 
came to the party and they were the reason why Buffalo was able to prevail. And they will be going to Kansas City. The question is, will Kansas City have its franchise player, number 15, Patrick Mahomes? The Chiefs escape from the divisional round against the Cleveland Browns. And they do it without their MVP quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, because he was knocked out of this game with a concussion as well. All signs indicate thus far that he is okay and that he should be ready for Sunday. But we all know that these concussions are tricky and he's going to have to go through the protocols in order for him to be able to lace it up and line up on Sunday. Andy Reid has a championship ring. Andy Reid is a mad scientist. You could just see the confidence oozing out of Andy Reid at the end of this ball game when you thought that they would have gone ultra conservative and just ran the ball into the line of scrimmage and not put the ball in the hands of Chad Henney, especially after he had thrown an ugly pick midway through the third quarter. But Andy Reid said no. We're going to win this game with what got us here, and that's our offense. Even without our leader, even without my trigger man, we're going to find a way to get this game. And on a third and 14, Chad Henney broke out the pocket. Looked like, from my estimation, that he had it, but when they showed an instant replay, you saw where he was a few inches short. Cleveland with no timeouts. Couldn't stop the clock. Andy Reid could have punted the ball and made them go the length of the field in order to try to win the game. But he said, you know what? I'm going to go with what got us here. Even without Pat, we're going to roll with this offense. Chad Henney on a quarterback sprint right, finds Tyreek Hill coming across. They get the first down, and they are now in their third straight championship with an opportunity to go back to back to the Super Bowl the only other coach to host multiple championships in a row guess who it was folks Andy Reid when he was in the NFC with the Philadelphia Eagles so this is not this is not new territory for Andy Reid he's been here before he's done this The question is, will he have his guy available to him on Sunday? But let's talk about Andy Reid. Let's talk about this Kansas City Chiefs offense. They were missing some pieces besides Patrick Mahomes. Sammy Watkins didn't play in this game. It was Hilera didn't play in this game. And remember, in the Buffalo game, he had 162 yards rushing. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes' arm that beat Buffalo when they had the regular season game. It was the running game that punished that Buffalo defense. Will they have the services of Edward Hilera on Sunday? Damian Williams ran the ball hard. He will be an integral part of the game on Sunday. Kelsey has to be the best tight end in the NFL right now. I know we talk about George Kittle, but Mr. Kelsey is that guy he he is that guy right now 
that you have to look at and say he should be labeled as the best tight end in the league. No offense to George Kittle, but Kelsey is that guy. And I think Kansas City, their defense is going to have to make some plays against Buffalo. Buffalo is going to have to make some plays against that Kansas City defense if they want to give themselves an opportunity. We know Buffalo is going to come into this game one-dimensional. They can't run the ball at all. And at least Kansas City can give you some substance of a running game. And so they won't, even if Patrick Mahomes is able to play, they won't have to put it all on his shoulders because they can run the ball effectively a little bit. Buffalo, on the other hand, is Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. You don't need to know anything about anything else. Those are your guys that you're going to have to stop if you are the Kansas City Chiefs defense. So that's our matchups for the final four for the NFL on championship weekend. Buffalo at Kansas City. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at Green Bay. You couldn't ask for a better matchup of teams. You have the four best quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs. You have two of those quarterbacks that are MVP candidates and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes early on in the season was a candidate, but he kind of fell off as Kansas City kind of fell off midway through as they tried to coast through the rest of the season. But it should be a phenomenal championship weekend, folks. Get your popcorn ready. Let's talk about, while we're still in the NFL, I want to talk about the hiring of coaches. We have seven job openings in the NFL. One minority coach has been hired. There are two jobs remaining. The Philadelphia Eagles are still doing conducting interviews and the Houston Texans are as well. And we're going to talk about the Texans in a minute because they have more than a head coaching problem that they're going to be concerned about right now. As much as they keep talking about the Fritz Pollard rule and trying to get minority coaches an opportunity, it just does not seem like the NFL unlike the NBA, is evolving. You have a league that's made up of 70% of African-American players, and you still can't get head coaches in position. There's something wrong with that formula. Now, you did have two general managers of color that were hired, one in Detroit, one in Atlanta. With that being said, both of those teams hired white coaches. Dan Campbell in Detroit, Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Go figure. I'm just wondering when minority coaches are going to get the same opportunities. And and what's funny to me is that we just told you that there's still 
two jobs that are open, Philadelphia and Houston. Both of those teams are in total chaos right now. It sounds like Dosh, <clears throat> excuse me, sounds like Josh McDaniel, the offensive coordinator from the New England Patriots, is the front runner for the Philadelphia Eagles job. And in Houston, they're just trying to put duct tape on what it looks like is going to be a flood as the gates are about to open up with Deshaun Watson doing everything but coming out and saying to the organization, trade me today. His actions are speaking louder than his words. He basically has shut down his his uh, communication with the organization. He's sending out cryptic tweets. And he's donning other uniforms, other jerseys, I should say. If that's not a clear sign that he wants out of Houston, I don't know what else that he can do besides going to the office of the owner or the general manager and say, trade me today. If Houston was smart, they wouldn't wait. They would just go ahead and try to make a move before the draft comes up. There's so many teams that are going to need a quarterback. And if they can make a move to either get a pick to get themselves their new franchise quarterback or potentially maybe make a trade with the Jets where they can get Sam Donald and then get a couple of number one picks or a couple of number ones and a two to build that team up to help Sam Donald out. That's what they're going to need to do. But they're going to need to make a decision quickly because the longer they wait, the more speculation about what's going to happen is going to continue to rise. Now, we have heard that Eric Bieniemy did come in for an interview, but I think it's too little too late. I think Deshaun has already decided that it's time for him to move on from this organization. I think the Texans have a lot of work to do internally from the top and it starts with ownership their ownership is going to have to be when i say changed i'm not saying change in regards to them selling the team i'm saying with their attitude and a direction in which they're going their culture has to be changed because it's not in a good it's not in a good space right now and that's why their franchise quarterback wants out asap if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I don't know if I want this job, especially if Deshaun Watson's not going to be there. If I'm any coach of color, I'm not taking this job unless I'm guaranteed that Deshaun Watson's going to be there. Because you know why? Because it's you're in rebuild mode. And you don't know what you're going to get if they trade Deshaun Watson in return in regards to a quarterback situation. If you don't have a quarterback... You don't have a team and you're not going to get the same opportunity as a coach that comes in there. That's not a minority. You're not going to get the same opportunity as your counterpart. That's white. You go in there without Deshaun Watson. You go in there without having a stabilizing force at the quarterback position. You may sign a five year deal or four year deal. I guarantee you, if you don't turn that program around in two years, they're going to be looking to get you out the door. That's what they do in the NFL. They generally don't give black coaches that type of opportunity. They'll give it to the white coaches. Look at Adam Gase. 
And I, I bring Adam Gase up because he just got fired from the Jets. And now they're talking about Seattle bringing him in for an interview as their offensive coordinator. Look at the Jets. What did he do offensively that would make you want to bring him in to work with Russell Wilson? Brian Schottenheimer just got fired. He was with Russell for three years. Their offense, to me, wasn't that bad. Their offensive line was the problem to me. I mean, Russ put up phenomenal numbers early part of this year. They said, let Russ cook, and Russ was cooking. So I don't know what happened on the back end of this season. I think a lot of it had to do with the injuries to the running backs as much as it had to do with the offensive line. So you're telling me that you're going to bring in Adam Gase, who had one of the worst offenses in the NFL, who has not helped the progression of his young quarterback in Sam Donald, who did not help the progression of Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami. Now Ryan Tannehill is in Tennessee. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Kenyon Drake is a viable running back in Arizona. He did nothing with him when he was in Miami. But you want to bring this guy in to work with Russell Wilson? How does he get an opportunity? And and then you want to say that you all are trying your best to make better avenues for minority coaches. I I can't tell. When you bring in somebody like Adam Gase to bring him in after three years in New York where he was atrocious and the team was atrocious and now he has an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator with one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? Are you kidding me right now? This is, this, this is the type of things that piss off minorities. It piss off blacks when it comes to these coaching and opportunities in these sports organizations. That you turn the other cheek and because somebody knows somebody, they give them a second or third opportunity. I look at Bill O'Brien who got fired from the Texans. He's now going to be the OC at Alabama because he's worked with Nick Saban before. Doug Marone, who just got fired from Jacksonville, he too will be going down to Alabama to work with Nick Saban as the, I think, the offensive line coach. It's ridiculous. All these coaches across America looking for opportunities, trying to build their resume, and you have guys like this who are not successful continue to get jobs they're they're not fired for five minutes and they're hired i don't get it it's the same way i don't get how you just give guys that play a sport the opportunity on television but you want everybody else to go to college and get a degree and do, do an internship before they can get behind a mic that i don't understand either It's just hypocrisy across the board, and it makes no sense. And it's it's irritating when you see it happen. It really is. It's irritating when you see it happen. I know it is for me. I'll speak for me. It's irritating for me because I'm looking at this like all these coaches out here on the collegiate level, these coaches in the NFL that are uh, position coaches, they can't get an opportunity to be a coordinator and you just keep handing jobs to guys who are not successful because of the color of their skin or because they know somebody 
that's it's, it's ridiculous. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to leave it right there, park right there. It's absolutely ridiculous. On that note, we're going to take a small commercial break. And then we're going to come back and talk about what is going on in Brooklyn because after two games, it looks like James Harden and Kevin Durant have not skipped a beat from their days at OKC. We thank you for tuning in here on Uptempo Sports. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And yes, James Harden said he had to get away. He had to fly away. And he found his way to Brooklyn. And I tell you what, Brooklyn is in the house because James Harden and Kevin Durant look like the pair we saw when they were young bucks coming out of college. And coming into the NBA when they were with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They look like they've been playing together for the last five or six years, folks. It is scary good how these two complement each other. There was never a question about James Harden's ability to play ball. That's not what we were talking about when we talked about him trying to get out of Houston. We were talking about the way he was acting, his unprofessionalism to force a trade out of Houston. Brooklyn went all in because they had to be asking themselves, could they trust one Kyrie Irving? Well, I tell you what, I hope Kyrie's ready to play. I hope he is in a better place mentally to give Brooklyn what they need. Because if he's not, there is no question that this trade for James Harden was a maximum insurance policy that they are cashing in on already. They are getting dividends back on this investment already because James Harden is showing us that no matter what uniform you put him in, he is going to go out and get you a bucket. And he becomes the first player in NBA history to record more than 30 points and more than 10 assists in two games for a new team, for a new franchise that he's that he just got traded to. So James Harden is already rocking and rolling. And Kevin Durant, just go ahead and put him down for comeback player of the year. I don't know if he'll be in the conversation for MV league MVP but you can just go ahead and write him in as comeback player of the year there's there is no question that he is back 42 points James Harden dropped 32 points and then in his second game 
James Harden gets you 34 and 12. Kyrie, I don't know. You better be ready to play, bro, because uh, James Harden is here. He's for real. And they're going to find a way. The problem with Brooklyn is they have no bench now, no depth. And that is going to be something that they're going to have to address at some point. I don't know, before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline, they're going to have to come up with a plan because they're going to need bodies to carry them through to the playoffs. Speaking of James Harden, I want to talk about the trade that was made and one of the pieces that were that were sent from Brooklyn to the Indiana Pacers, and that was one Careless LeVert. We told you Careless LeVert was a very integral part of what Brooklyn was doing, and I know if it wasn't for the fact that they were getting a phenomenal talent like James Harden, they would have never traded him. But sometimes, as they say, things happen for a reason. And in this case, it could have been something life-saving for Careless LeVert because in this trade that was made, you know, players have to take physicals. So the Pacers give Careless LeVert a physical and find that he has a small mass on his kidney. Now, most teams, when something like this happens, where there's a physical ailment with a player in the trade, a lot of times they would nix the trade and it falls apart. In this case, Indiana decided to roll with it. So it doesn't to be anything where it could be right now career-threatening, but it could have been something that could have been life-threatening, more, more importantly than career-threatening for Carlos LeVert. So it was a blessing in disguise because it could have been a situation where without this trade being made and without him having this physical that it may have been a situation where something could have happened and it would have been too late for them to catch it. So we want to send out our prayers to Careless Divert and wish him a speedy recovery. And the most important thing is, is that he gets better. We want him to have, of course, a continued career in the NBA. But the most important thing is, is that he is going to be healthy because they were able to detect this issue and hopefully he'll be able to get the proper treatment that he needs to carry on his NBA career. So we just want to send a shout out to him and wish him all the best. We want to talk about what Steph Curry is doing in Golden State. They just got a big win last night against the LA Lakers, the Lakers, of course, the defending champions from the bubble and the team with the best record in the NBA right now. They sit a half a game in front of the L.A. Clippers. You can see right now that L.A. is going to be one of those. It's going to be one of those seasons where they are not going to be able to stay focused the entire year. Now, the season has been shortened by 10 games to 72. It may be shortened to less than that because of the continued COVID outbreaks that teams are having. The Lakers were up 14 points with five and a half minutes to go in this game, and they blew a 14-point lead. LeBron had a chance at the end 
to make a shot they would have wanted a three that bounced off the back part of the um, rim but it should have never come down to want the last shot the Lakers were up they looked they lost their focus Steph Curry did Steph Curry like things they got a big game from Kelly Oubre um, and James Wiseman is going to be is going to be a problem in this league when a young man adds about another 10 pounds of muscle he gets a little bit more confidence in his shot. He has a nice shot. Just needs to work on it just a little bit. He is going to be a problem. That was an excellent pick by the Warriors to get him. And having him <clears throat> excuse me, playing alongside a veteran like Draymond Green, who's going to teach him the ins and outs of how to play defense in this league, how to be in a proper spot, how to rebound and, and, and position himself, even with that size and length, is going to be nothing but a blessing for him going forward. And then when they get clay back next year, Golden State's going to be a problem in the West. It's going to be really uncontrollable in the West when Golden State's at full strength, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, the Portland Trailblazers, it's going to be off the chain in the Western Conference when all these teams are healthy. And that's the problem is that everybody's not healthy right now. Speaking of health, let's talk about what's going on in Houston. We already told you about James Harden and his ascension in Brooklyn. Let's talk about the other piece of that trade when we talked about Carlos LeVert going to Indiana. Let's talk about Victor Oladipo leaving Indiana and going to Houston. In his debut game, they lost to Chicago, but Victor put up 32 points. He ran point. He ran the point as well as played off the ball because John Wall missed the game, and so he was at the control helm for the Houston Rockets. This is an audition for Victor, not only for the Houston Rockets but for all the other teams in the NBA. We know he still has his sights set on Miami. I don't know if Miami is as gung ho to go after Victor as they were last year prior to him having that quad injury, but I know he still has his eyes set on Miami and South Beach. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the trade deadline. Victor is playing on a, basically a one-year deal. This is the last year of his contract. And so he will become a free agent next, I should say this coming summer. So if he is playing at the top of his game, Houston may want may want to resign him. Remember, he's still a young ball player. But if they don't think that he is going to be the player that they need going forward, then they can always flip him at the trade deadline or just let him walk. I don't think they want to just let him walk and not get any kind of compensation for him. But we'll see what happens with this. But Victor, I think, is going to play a key role. I think he and John Wall together is going to be a nice backcourt. It gives them super athleticism in the backcourt. Victor, you know, when healthy, is a really good defender. And so I think that would be, I think that's going to be um, a good pairing. I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them into the playoffs because we've already told you the West is stacked. But I do like the pairing of John Wall if he's healthy and Victor if he's healthy to make this Houston Rockets team very competitive. We want to talk about Portland. 
told you the Portland Trail Blazers were one of those teams that got off to a slow start, but they're trying to pick it and started over the last few games to pick it up. But now they're going to have a roadblock in front of them because C.J. McCullum, the other half of that great backcourt with him and Dame Lillard, is going to be out for the next four to six weeks with a foot for foot injury. C.J. having one of his best seasons in the league, averaging almost 27 points a game. To me, he's one of the most underrated guards in the league for what he does. That's because he has an all, not just an all-star, but an all-pro playing alongside of him, an all-NBA caliber player in Damian Lillard. So that's why he can't get the shine that he would get if he wasn't playing alongside Dame. But please do not sleep on C.J. McCollum. He is a really, really good player. And like I said, if it wasn't for the fact that he was playing with a player of Dame Lillard's caliber, we would be talking more about C.J. and him not being in his lineup for the next four to six weeks. But with Dame still being there, and then they have some young pieces um, that they can go to. You know, they re-signed Mr. Hood. And they still have Gary Trent Jr. that they can bring in off the bench. They have Anthony Simmons. They can bring in. So they have they have some young players that they can slide in, but none of them are going to be CJ, none of them are going to be CJ McCullum, of course. We're not trying to allude to that. We're just saying that their cupboard is not bare, that they have, they do have some options available to them until CJ gets back. The Washington Wizards have been hit with this COVID like no other team in the NBA. They're going to have to try to figure out what they're going to do. Russell Westbrook has been out. I'm telling you, I know they keep saying that Bradley Beal is not a tradable piece that they want to build around Bradley Beal. Something just tells me that there are going to be too many offers for Bradley Beal services for the Wizards not to pick up that phone. Somebody is going to make them an offer that they can't refuse. Bradley Beal, you could see it in some of those first few games where he was going on a scoring tear and they were losing that I just don't believe that he's going to want to sit through another seat, another few seasons of them not being competitive enough to even get to the playoffs. You don't want to waste his best years by having them not make the playoffs or not even being able to get past the first round of the playoffs. So Brad's going to have a lot to think about. And so are the Wizards when those phones start ringing near the trade deadline for Bradley Bill services. I want to segue back to the NFL for a moment because we want to talk about history in the making for Super Bowl 55. We will have the first female referee that will be working the Super Bowl. Her name, Sarah Thomas. She's been an NFL referee since 2015, and she now has the cachet of being the first woman to actually 
be elected to work in the Super Bowl. Congratulations to her. We want to say congratulations again to our new administration that will be coming in on this coming Wednesday. President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, we need change, we need direction, we need peace. We can't get out from under the four years of prejudice, the four years of racism, the four years of disarray quick enough just hope that people will change their minds and reflect upon all the things that went on these past four years and really take a look at themselves first before we can look at others and judge others we have to look at ourselves and say what is it that I need to do to change for me to be better because if I can be better then the person beside me can do better And then that person beside that person can do better. And then this country can be better. That's what we all have to try to strive to do. We all have to strive to be better because we all are part of what's going to be the direction in which this country needs to go into, whether good, bad or indifferent. If we want it to be successful, we all have to do our part. That's what we need to think about doing this inauguration with that we just want to say thank you for tuning in to uptempo sports 24 7 once again catch us on all the social media platforms spotify apple google and just like we say as we always depart it's always same bat time same bat channel until the next Peace.